0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. The choice of eternity in flames, or life in an eternal void. What would you choose? We share thoughts of a man whose mind is slowly wasting away into a new world of madness. And how are demons born? Or should I say made? Welcome, listeners, to your three bone-chilling and brain-teasing stories. Warning, some of these stories are explicit and delve into the more gory aspects of horror as well as sexual abuse. Not for little ears, this one. We have the following stories for tonight, titled Both, The Bald Man, and Childhood of a Demon. I have my tea, This time, it's called Gorgeous Geisha. It's a very light, floral green tea and really great at loosening up the throat. I used to use it whenever I got sick to help me out on those tougher days. So grab your very own tea, be it L Grey, a green tea, or any kind of hot beverage. Turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for something creepy. Both i'm dead both of us are me and my girlfriend even up until now i can hear her whisper in my head and it continues to torment me she's in hell and i'm here in the middle of nowhere with only infinite whiteness surrounding me in all directions my god please save us we tried to contact the devil the night before we died we followed a ritual our friend told us over the lunch break, but it went wrong. One of the candles we used for the ritual was defective, and it burned out halfway through the ritual. The devil was able to manifest himself physically, and he took us both with him to hell. Looking back, I now know that our friend was to blame for this. He wanted this to happen to us. He knew that we'd get curious about the ritual, and try it out ourselves, so that we would go to hell. So that I'd go to hell. The cashier from the supermarket too, she must have been conspiring with him, and didn't tell us that the candles we were using were defective. She must have known we were going to do the ritual. So she placed the pack with the defective candle, on top of the shelves, so that we would pick them. They planned this. They should go to hell. They should go to hell a million times over. My God, please save us, and curse them for eternity. The devil brought both of us to this world, of infinite white. He told us that he, loved playing with humans, and that,
1: I'll play with you too.
0: It was then that I knew fear far beyond any nightmare or anything on earth that could possibly scare a human. We were at the mercy of the very incarnation of evil himself, and I swear the fear alone could have killed me had I been alive at the time. My God, please save us. He told us that he'd send one of us to hell and the other would have to go through a lot of pain, but but not quite hell. One of us was going to remain in this white world, and the other will go to a lake of fire in infinite darkness. Whoever was in the white world can wish to switch places with the one in darkness, and the person in the darkness will have all of his thoughts whispered into the other's head. This was his game, and he told us that this game was never going to end, because he hated when a good game ends. My god, you know how much suffering we've been through. Please, save us. He took me first to the lake of fire. There are no words to explain the pain I felt in that black world. I could see nothing almost as if my eyes had been gouged out of their sockets. I could hear the loud flames burn without light and the pain ravaged every part of my body. I screamed as loud as I could, for as long as I could, until my vocal cords were physically unable to do so. I was still trying to scream, not out of wanting someone to hear me, but out of pain. I could do nothing but scream as every inch of my flesh was scorched by the flames in infinite darkness. My God, why have you not saved me from there? After a day or so of torment, the flame suddenly stopped. I opened my eyes and suddenly realized that I could see again. I was there in the world of infinite white. My girlfriend switched places with me. An indescribable feeling of gratitude and relief came over me. But it was suddenly replaced by guilt and... Dread. I could hear her screams in my head. And I knew that she was in my place. She was begging to be saved by me. Seeking for the redemption I hold in my hands. Listening to her voice in pain reminded me of what I have experienced myself in that inferno. And every memory of that place has been burned into my mind like a hot iron brand on my skin. The pain in her voice made me feel the guilt of having her save me, but the fear of going back there stopped me from calling the devil to save her. My God, why have you given humans hearts to hurt themselves with? Come the fourth day of being in that white world, and I still haven't been able to get a wink of sleep brief periods of giving in to drowsiness came to me time and time again, but her screams would turn my rests into nightmares, and I suddenly wake up to remember what torment it is that I'm in. I'd have visions of her locking me up in that lake of fire, and returning to her daily life as if nothing happened, leaving me to suffer there for eternity. I wanted to save her from her pain, but the fear keeps me paralyzed and unable to do so. I have tried begging for the devil to get us out of here, but he has not yet answered, for I know that he is only interested in seeing us suffer and will only answer to me once I tell him that I will go back to that inferno. My God, when will this trial of yours finally end? By the seventh day, her screams of pain have quieted down a little. Occasionally, I'd hear her cries for redemption, but more often than not, I'd be hearing far worse things from her. She was cursing me, with resentment and anger in her voice. She wanted me to get her out of there very, very badly. She'd expressed her deep hatred for me, cursing me, shaming me, blaming me for my cowardice ...in not letting her go free from that place. I'd remember the times when we were happy. The times we were together. The times when we thought we were inseparable. Back when we were alive. Back when I believed... ...that we were truly meant to be together. With nothing being able to break what we had together. But now, all of those times seem like distant dreams from where I am today. Now that I live through endless pain... From ripping apart the bonds which used to make the entirety of me, I have truly understood the true meaning of loss. I thought that our love could transcend all barriers, but alas, love does not survive through pain. As I listen to her endlessly curse our relationship, our experiences, and the entirety of me, I feel the pain she goes through in that dark world. Oh God, why is love so fragile? Today marks the 10th day of the two of us being trapped here. I still cannot find the strength in me to set her free. For fear and sadness are devouring what's left of my humanity. But she no longer curses me. She no longer screams or weeps or threatens me. She whispers into my head sweet words. But I know... That those words are loaded with poison. She tells me that she has found a way out of this place. She tells me that she knows how she can keep me safe. She tells me. That she loves me. And that I should show her how much I love her. She tells me. That she can give me rest. From everything that has been tormenting me. She tells me. That she can give me the peace I long for. The peace I have not found in this place ever since we have been here. The words are sweet, but the intent is deadly. All she wants me to do is to get her out of there. And I know that all she has said to convince me has been a lie. I know that she just wants to abandon me in that world of pain and darkness and leave me there forever while she stays in this world of endless white. I know that with my mind, but somehow my heart wants to get her out of there. My heart wants to believe in her. Not because of love or trust or anything of the sort. It's because I don't want to be here any longer. I'm too tired to think about anything at all. For I have already experienced all kinds of pain In this white world I am in. There is no longer any hope of getting out. And there's nothing good for me here any longer. I may be afraid of the pain in that place of darkness. But beyond that. Her words make me feel. Like she can truly give me the rest I long for. The rest I have desired for so. So long. Of all my prayers. You have answered none. But this time I beg you, please listen to your son. For the last he'll ever ask is what the devil did not tell. Of the two worlds he's been in, which one truly was hell? The Bold Man I am a street dweller, a creature of the night, Central Park is my half-time home. There are many who live like I do. We come out at midnight and live aimlessly. Stumbling through the park, rambling, starting conversations with strangers, exchanging madness for madness. We know nobody. We are bohemians of the first degree. We've never met the same person twice. There was a philosopher called Diogenes who carried a lantern around, searching for one honest man. He never found one. Nobody has a soul. Nobody is real. That is our code. We live like Dargenies, searching for one honest man, one with a soul, one who we can rely on. Nobody has a soul, truly. But on this cool October night, I was ready to break this bohemian code of living, to know somebody. For I had stumbled on an exceptional, bold man. We discussed modern times and our lifestyle. He was as simple as could be. He had no thoughts for politics. No issue you could name concerned him. He was a simple man. A man with a soul. An honest man. I arranged to meet with him in the same place in a week. He did not care to follow the code of us bohemians as he followed nobody, and agreed. I met him again, just as arranged. I asked him all sorts of things. It was a grand conversation. For the first time in my life, I knew pure and simple joy. I was talking with an honest man. Sadly, that joy would soon be crushed, for he failed to keep the next appointment. I was not let down, For I knew no honest man could survive in today's world. Honesty and a soul are valuable qualities and easily lost. However, expecting him to arrive, I waited all night, drinking the absinthe that the poets of the early 20th century did. I valued absinthe. It was my substitute for honesty and soul. Absinthe has strange qualities. I've often wondered if it causes delusions that stray us from reality, or if it gives us another sight. I let myself slip into the void, and let visions fill my eyes. Things that lived like me began to walk past me. Things that had no place, no home. Dwellers of the night, older than Diogenes. The bald man never arrived, and the day came. I stayed in that spot All day. Waiting for the bold man. Day always was too real to me. I even fell asleep several times. The cool air of night and the pure fluidity of what we call reality in those hours is my world. We have lost the secrets that primal things held. The secrets of honesty. And how the world works. Replacing them with the artifice of science and religion. Night fell, and I was about to swallow more absinthe. Lo and behold, though. The creatures of old, the glorious primal fears of man, at the very dawn of man, had not left my vision. The bold man was even among them, walking with them, being simple and honest, living their way. I attempted to converse with him, to know more, about this simple way of life. But he was completely deaf to my words. Why, after all, should a man as honest as him bother himself with just another bohemian such as me? I was unworthy and I knew it. In shame, so ever rough, I swallowed more absinthe. More creatures of the night began to walk amongst the dark road. Checking my watch, I noticed that Not a minute had passed since night had fallen. That bothered me not. Eternal night would be so glorious, so honest, and so pure. I watched the primal fears of man and their mannerisms. They were so incorruptible that I wondered how men had strayed from their path of simplicity and pure beauty. Wanting to see more, I swallowed more absinthe and began giving myself doses of opium. The purity of purities. The sacred things now grew solid and tangible. What a blasphemy that modern society is to have removed them. The bold man even grew solid and tangible, and we conversed as we had in nights past. I had no opinions anymore. Not a care for modern society. I had grown simple and pure like the bald man. I began to walk like these primal things, talking with the bald man. And not a minute passed. I was living the life of these beautiful creatures, older than man. Eternal night has fallen on me, and I have lived honestly and purely, for I no longer live. If one does care to become honest and pure, dwell in Central Park when night has fallen, The bald man or I might decide to converse with you, make appointments with us, and have absinthe and opium ready. You may be lucky enough to become pure, to become true, to live honestly, and to live no longer. Childhood of a Demon September 17, 2010 Dear reader, if you are enjoying this piece then they have caught me and released my diaries to the public. I am most likely either rotting in a prison or dead. I hope if I'm dead I got the electric chair. It looks so exciting on the television. As you know, for I am sure they must have told you by now whose writings they have released, I am Jack Apron, the serial killer. A name the police gave me since my murders seemed to remind them of Jack, the Ripper killings. My last name comes from his second nickname, The Leather Apron. How very creative of them. Anyways, I have rambled on long enough. I'm tired and I will write more in the morning. September 18, 2010 So, after much thought last night, I realise that if I'm ever caught and the police really do release these writings. This would be a way to tell people all about my favorite subject. Me. I think I will start with my birth. Even then, death wasn't far away. My father was a scientist who practiced ungodly experiments, many of which involved me. Even when I was a fetus, my father wanted to test his new abortion drug. It failed. But it poisoned my mother, and she would die from it two years later after giving birth to my sister good riddance my mother was just a cheap whore who sold her body to my father's experiments even to the point of having kids with him my father was an interesting man now that i'm looking back on him a cruel vile unholy man but still interesting he believed in the worship of satan and he was a genetic scientist He could never keep a job anywhere. Always getting drunk and doing God knows what to the animals in the labs. So, with my mother's whore money funding his experiments, he got the crazy idea that if he used his talents to create a real-life demon, Satan would make him rich in life. So he had a son, and this is where my story really starts. He did many terrible things to me and my sister. Chemical baths unnecessary surgeries, verbal and sexual abuse. He made us do terrible things to each other as well. When I was a teenager, about 13, and my sister was 11, he made us do things to each other. I always loved my sister so very much, so the incest didn't bother me nearly as much as it did her. She was so beautiful. I think I have written enough today. More later. September 24th, 2010 Sorry, I haven't written in a while. I was busy with my latest guest. Now, where was I? I believe I stopped with my sister and my father's experiments. These two subjects have an unfortunate crossroads. My sister never survived her childhood. She died when she was only 14. She was never buried. No, not buried. My father believed that to be a demon, I must be an eater of humans. He made me eat my dead sister's corpse. First by starving me in the basement where he kept us. Her body was there with me. But I had to survive. I had to one day kill my father for what he had done to me and my sister. It took me a week and a half to finish her body. I'm sorry I have to cut this so short. I must keep moving. September 29th, 2010 The police are on to me. I know it. I feel like I should finish this story for the sake of making sure people will know the true cruelty of man. At the age of 17, I killed my father. Now let me tell you how. After so many years waiting for a chance, a single moment for me to take advantage of. While I was in his lab, while he was performing facial surgery on me, before I was put under the gas, he turned around to turn it on and I managed to pick his pocket and hide a small pen into mine. After my limp body had been dumped back into the basement, I eventually woke up and noticed my entire head had been bandaged. It must have been from the surgery. My father had said something about making me look like a demon. I didn't care. I was too excited about my new tool. I had collected many little items throughout my childhood. My new pen, a paperclip, a shoelace, and a piece of broken glass from a bottle. These will be my weapons to kill my father. Tonight is the night. It was late at night. I walked up to the basement door. I used the paperclip to pick the lock. It was surprisingly easy. But the damn thing breaks inside of the lock. So now all I have is the lace, the glass, and my pen. I was on all fours, silently crawling and creeping like an animal through the house. I see my father, laying in the living room, asleep on the couch. I had the glass in my hand, and I screamed as I jammed the shard into his stomach. The screams and the sudden pain woke him. He got up quickly and started punching me in the face. We fought and wrestled throughout the house, with the shard still in his stomach. We kept fighting until we were in the lab, where our struggle knocked test tubes and vials off of the shelves onto us. The chemicals burned my skin, so I pushed my father into the corner and beat him in the head until he didn't move. I ripped off my bandages to reveal my new face. My skin was a strange grey colour. Covered in scars. My lips red like blood and deep black eyes. My longish black hair was missing in a few patches from all the surgeries. And yet, out of all the deformities, I had a great smile. I still do. And I smile then as I do now when I kill. I looked at my lifeless father with my new eyes. And he started to move. So I picked up a bottle of acid. That I remember he used to use on me as a child to burn away my thumbprints. And I poured it on his face. Oh. Then I started to kick him. I kicked his head, his torso, arms, legs. I just kept kicking until I knew he was dead. And then I kicked him some more. I kicked and kicked until my legs gave out and I fell to the ground. It took me about an hour to gain my strength back. I got up and looked at what I had done. My father's body was now a dead pile of bloody meat, and I was so glad. I was free now, and I had only one thing on my mind. If one man could be so cruel, then all humans must be. Truly, I must destroy these foul creatures one by one. In a funny bit of irony, my father had succeeded. He created a demon. A demon who slayed the devil and escaped from hell itself. And now I was free to do whatever I pleased. And so far, I've done nothing but that. And that is how demons are made. <laughs> So, I have to ask you all, which would you pick? The Sleepless Void or Eternal Flames? Tough one. I'd pick The Void, because even though I'm not sleeping, well, at least I'm not in agony 24-7. And the creation of a demon story, yikes. It reminds me of the age-old question, Nature versus Nurture. Now if you have a couple of spare seconds to support the show and you're thinking, Stories, I want to high-five you and your Aussie voice. How do I go about doing that? The best way right now is to share the podcast with pals and leave an iTunes review. Either or both of those will be fantastic. You're helping me, which I'm ever grateful for, and you're helping all the authors that are showcased on the podcast. And for those of you who already have, thank you so much. You're helping others find the show. And it's your support that's helping this podcast share even more stories. Just brilliant. And stick with me Friday, because I'm thinking Japanese stories, maybe some new folk tales, or something entirely different. We'll see how we go. So stay creepy. And as always, till next time.